This is Anthony Morganti. Welcome to my podcast for the joy of photography. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. This week, I want to talk about some exercises that I think will help you improve your photography. Now, this just isn't for the beginner. Even even someone like me who got their first camera like 44 years ago will benefit by regularly doing photography exercises. I mean, think about it. Think of the master musician. If they don't pick up their instrument and practice once in a while, they're going to lose their edge. And I think that's pretty much true in anything. If we don't really practice our craft regularly, not only won't we improve, but we may fall back a little bit and not be as good as we once were. So it's very important that we regularly do different photography exercises, not only Uh, for the technical aspects, so we stay on top of all the technical aspects of photography, but maybe even more so for the creative component, so that our mind is always thinking in a creative way and we don't fall into a rut where we're kind of doing the same thing over and over or just going through the motions. Or maybe sometimes this is where um, I fall into, the category I fall into, is I often will tend to get too wrapped up in the technical aspects of photography, like um, where should I place the light? Uh, What should my camera settings be? And I'm not really thinking in a creative way, or at least not enough in a creative way. And I think a lot of these exercises will help a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Now, my first exercise that I'd like you to try out, you could do right at home, is I'd like you to go to a website called 500px. Now, I have no affiliation with 500px at all. I I am a member there. That's it. They don't even know who I am as far as that goes. But I chose 500px because there's some attributes of the website which you could use to help you improve your photography. Most notably, they have great images there. There really are some great photographers on 500px. Uh, Secondly... Uh, 500px, uh, they do have paid um, memberships, but you can join for free, and you could look at all the images you want for free. Uh, They just, on the free membership, I think they limit the number of images you could upload per week, something like seven images a week. But the main reason I want you to go to 500px is not to upload your images, it's to look at other people's images. So specifically, once you join and log into 500px, you'll be on their their main web page, and you'll see a bunch of images. And I think you'll agree, uh, most of the images are spectacular. They're really um, wonderful images. And what I'd like you to do is once you uh, do this, pick an image you're drawn to. Like, look at this. uh, Now, I know many of you, most of you, aren't watching the video, so... Uh, Those of you that are watching the video, bear with me as I try to explain uh, things that I'm seeing and you're seeing that the people that aren't watching uh, so they could get a better idea what I'm talking about. Now, first of all, 
Uh, again, in the show notes, I'll have links to the three web pages I'm going to be sharing today. So um, you could check the, those uh, websites out um, after the podcast ends. Now, what I'd like you to do is pick an image you're drawn to. And right now I'm drawn to an image here. It's called uh, Kumba Mela uh, 2019. And um, it looks like, um, you know, it's a compelling image to me. So I'd like you to click on it. And what I'd like you to do, first of all, is just look at the image on a whole and try to figure out <clears throat> why you're drawn to this image. What is it about that image that uh, makes you like it? Um, you know, go technical even. Like in this image, I really like the separation the photographer gained uh, from her subject to the background. And I just like the uh, gaze of the man in the image, the look on his face. Um, you know, technically, I think it's perfect. I, I just am drawn to it in a technical way and in an aesthetic way. Then I'd like you to really look at the light. I think especially for beginning photographers, they really have a hard time uh, recognizing light and understanding the different qualities of light and how those qualities will affect your image. Now, in this case, it's obviously an overcast day. Uh, you see there's no strong shadows anywhere, especially on our subject. So uh, it's overcast. The light is very diffused, um, very soft looking light. So you kind of register that in your brain. And, and what I would recommend you do too is have some paper by you and take some notes uh, why you're drawn to this image, um, what the lighting is like, uh, things like that. Take some notes. Now this next part won't be applicable to all images because it's up to the photographer that uploaded the image to enable this feature. But if you scroll down a little bit, and look at some of the description for the image, often you'll find the camera, the lens used, and the exposure settings. So in this case, this photographer, she used a Nikon D610, a 35mm f1.8 lens. She shot at f2.8, 1 1,600th of a second. I don't know why I had a hard time saying that. And she used an ISO of 100. Now, right off the bat, I know that this great separation she got where the subject is really separated from the background, the background is, have a strong, has a strong blur to it, is because she shot at f2.8. So I make note of that. What I'd also like you to do is when you're doing this, when you're looking at these images, I want you to have your camera with you, like right next to you. I'd like you to pick up your camera and I'd like you to dial in. Uh, F at 2.8, 1 1600th of a second, ISO 100. Of course, you're going to be in manual mode when you do that. She probably was in aperture priority mode, though. Try to figure out. And now, unfortunately, the website doesn't tell us what camera mode she was in. But she probably was in aperture priority mode, shooting at um, F at 2.8 to make sure she got that separation of her subject. That's why you would shoot in aperture priority mode when the aperture to you is the most important part of the settings. So you want to set the aperture and let the camera do the rest. In this case, she wanted the widest aperture that she could get away with. So she did F at 2.8. Um, she probably chose one 
an ISO of 100, and then the camera automatically chose 1 hundredth of a second. So have your camera by you and put it in aperture priority mode and point it at the window, set it to f2.8, point it at the window, things like that. Get an idea of how that shutter speed's gonna move around as you're pointing it at the bright window then maybe pointing it at the dull corner uh, in the house and get an idea how that, you'll really get a huge swing of that shutter speed and what that means well in this case she could easily hand hold this shot but if it was any darker there if it was really dark it happens to be like even though the light was diffused it wasn't a, a very dark overcast day it looks like it was lightly overcast so uh, she was able to shoot at a very fast shutter speed so i want you to go through these um, exercises and look at these images and like again find one you're compelled to I'll click on another one, and for those of you that can't see it, it's of a young lady, and she looks like she's in a forest of bamboo. Um, really does look like she's outside. And um, it's really a very uh, beautiful image. But right away, when I look at it, I know that the photographer used artificial light. And how do I know that? Well, look at her eyes, and you can see that the catch light is in her eyes. And the catch light is very defined, and smaller so it's definitely artificial light it's not like the sun off in the distance because the sun wouldn't be that defined and small in her eye that it would be definitely look different than this so now i look at the placement of the light and i could see it's off to camera left just by looking at the catch light then when i look at the catch light i also could see or look at her face i mean i also could see that it's still obviously to the left because the cameras or the shadows are on the left side of her face to camera right. So the shadows are to camera right or falling to camera right. The light is to camera left. So I got that idea. Now again, I'll hopefully, yep, they have camera settings. Uh, this photographer, he used a Canon EOS 5D Mark II. He had a 70 to 200 millimeter lens. He shot at um, 126 millimeters with the lens and it was f2.8. 1 2,000th of a second ISO 200. So right away, I got my camera by me. I'm going to put in those settings. He probably, because he was using external flash, he probably was in manual mode. And since he's shooting at such a fast shutter speed, 1 2,000th of a second, one of two things um, have to do with the light. Either he's using a continuous light source, like an LED light to the to camera left, or he's using high-speed sync. Right away, you're thinking to yourself, well, because you know he's using high, because usually Canon cameras, I'm not sure the 5D Mark II specifically, but usually Canon cameras can't sync a flash anything faster than 1 200th of a second. Some of their better cameras, I think, are maybe a little faster than that. But still, definitely slower than 1 2,000th of a second. So he's using maybe high-speed sync. Well, if you don't understand high-speed sync, make that note down. That's something you need to learn. You need to learn about high-speed sync. Um, if you think, or maybe you're not familiar with uh, constant light sources, write that down, and you're going to look up about constant light sources, continuous light sources, like an, an LED array, which he would have put to camera left to, uh, in that case, it's continually, continually uh, putting out light, and he doesn't have to worry about uh, sync. It's just going to be the light there. So it's very unique photograph. It looks like it's outdoor, but he used supplemental light. 
And then um, in this case, you know, because of being in the business so long and taking photos so long, I know that, you know, how he probably went about exposure in that, in this case, he probably uh, first exposed um, for the general setting, the bamboo and all that. And then he had the light come in and add to the exposure. So little things like that, you might not, uh, depending on your, uh, how far along you are in photography, you might not recognize that right away, but that's okay. Just what you, what you see that you don't know, make sure that you learn about. And that's what, um, I think that a site like 500 PX will help a lot because it has these camera settings. Now, another thing you could do with 500 PX is once you, um, you have your free account and you're logged in on the top left-hand corner, you'll see there's a little, um, you know, it just says discover and it's clickable. So we'll click on discover. And when we do that, um, you're brought to popular images today. You could click on upcoming images. These are images that look like they're getting a lot of attention that are new to the website. Um, Fresh images are just all the images that were just uploaded in order. So if I clicked on fresh, I see images that were just uploaded seconds ago. And then to the right of that editor's choice, uh, that's like just a coveted award that many of the photographers on 500px hope to get that where the editors at 500px just recognize your image as being exemplary. You don't win anything. You just get that editor's choice uh, uh, designation for your image. Now, what I'd like you to do, once you do that, though, if you look over to the right, you'll see that there's a, a categories drop down. And if you click on that, you'll see there's a lot of different categories. So if you're really interested in a specific type of photography, you could really limit your uh, searching or what you're looking at to that type of photography. For instance, you can see there's a lot of different categories. Let's say I, I'm interested in black and white photography. I'll click on the black and white heading. And all I'm looking at now are black and white images. So I could come in and, and if, if I'm, you know, compelled by an image, I could click on it. Why am I compelled? What, what is it about this image I like? First, ask yourself that. Try to get an idea why you're um, attracted to a certain look, a certain type of image. Um, you know, the minimalistic um, look of it, maybe. Uh, in this case, that's why I'm compelled to it. Um, the tones are very stark. It's either dark or light. And uh, so I kind of like that. I'll look at the camera settings. It was Nikon D810 with an 80 to 400 millimeter f of 4.5 to 5.6 lens. Uh, the lens was set at 185 millimeters. The photographer shot at f14, 20 seconds, ISO 64. So uh, right away, what jumps out at me is that 20 second exposure. Uh, that's to get this nice smooth water and really a 20 second exposure and there's barely any movement in any of the other uh, elements in the scene um, is pretty impressive. So um, as I look at it, I'm thinking, well, they probably were in manual mode. They probably were in manual mode to do this, uh, to get that 20 second exposure. And, um, you know, I, you know, you could get, you know, try to, think, well, if they're not manual mode, what else would they be? Well, they're probably in aperture priority mode, right? Uh, or I'm sorry, sh shutter priority mode, uh, because they're probably the most ex important aspect of uh, this shot technically 
is the shutter speed, so they'll want to be in shutter priority mode, although I suspect they probably were in aperture priority mode. And uh, depending on the light, they might have had to use a neutral density filter, but you would have no way of knowing that with the information that is presented here. So again, you're kind of uh, going to images and you're deconstructing. Um, you're deconstructing what you're looking at. Um, so we could go like to people images. I know judging by the uh, emails I get, many of you are very interested in existing light portraiture. And if you go to 500px and go to the discover section and go to the people category, you'll have dozens and dozens of existing light portraits uh, that you could look at. And in this case here, I, I am not so sure that one's existing light. I think the photographer had an uh, uh, added light source there, but let's see if we could find one here. Like, yeah, that might be, you could see the catch lights in their eyes is kind of the giveaway to know if they've used, um, they've used a, uh, a uh, light that's other than the existing light. Now here's a good example of this man with this beard. Uh, you could see, uh, just looking at his eyes, that there's no additional, like, artificial light added. This was just the light probably coming in from a window or a door. And you could see how it's lighting his face. So it's an oblique light. It's coming in from the side. And an oblique light is a light that will really accentuate wrinkles and facial um, uh, elements. And in this case, in this man, he's an older man. So you're really uh, seeing the pores on his face even to the elements and the, the wrinkles. So the light is working uh, a lot here. Uh, this photographer used a Canon EOS 5D Mark III with a Canon 70 to 200 millimeter f2.8 lens. He shot at 168 millimeters f6.3, f a, f a 6.3, uh, one twelve fiftieth of a second ISO 400. And in this, quite frankly, in this image, it, it really wouldn't matter if he was in shutter priority mode, aperture priority mode, or even manual. He could, you know, uh, there's not an element to the scene which would dictate to him to use one mode over another. So it was probably anything he was comfortable with. Um, so in this case, since he was at um, 168 millimeters, uh, he's going to want to use a fairly fast shutter speed, so maybe he, he chose, um, chose uh, shutter priority mode. Uh, but you could get an idea, and you could, you know, there's more than one way to expose an image. Uh, you could shoot in aperture priority mode, manual uh, mode, and or shutter priority mode and get the exact same image. It's just, you know, sometimes it comes down to what the photographer is comfortable with. Uh, so again, uh, check out these um, images, uh, deconstruct them, um, see what it is about the image that uh, compels you to it, uh, make notes about it, and then um, try to uh, look at the camera settings, the technical settings, and see how they might be um, applicable uh, to you. And um, also, um, what I should add, especially, uh, I know probably most of you are landscape photographers, right? So let's go to landscapes. What I'd like, especially landscape, this isn't just uh, though for landscape photographers, but this could be for anyone, but especially landscape photographers. I'd like you to think about your compositional rules. 
And when you're looking at these images, um, think about how the photographer may have used uh, some compositional rules. Uh, was rule of thirds used? In this image, it looks like the um, photographer utilized rule of thirds in order to have the sun in a intersection point at the top upper right-hand side uh, for the rule of thirds. Look for leading lines. How did the photographer have leading lines? Are they diagonal lines coming in from the corner? How does these lines affect the image? How do they make you uh, look through the image. Then on top of that, did that photographer use rule of thirds also uh, to frame the image? Um, so think of this. Uh, look for images, specifically things that you know about. You, you know about framing. Did the uh, photographer use framing to really highlight the subject, uh, the focal point of the image, where the photographer wants you to look? And he, did, uh, he or she use framing to get you to look where they want you to look? So that's very important also to get you thinking about um, composition, compositional rules and utilizing compositional rules when you're out taking images, leading lines, rule of thirds, framing, uh, the golden spiral, all those different compositional rules. If you look at something and you're, you're, you're not 100% sure about different compositional rules, write that down as something that you need uh, to learn about. You want to learn about compositional rules. Um, so that's another very important thing that I think you should do when you're looking at these images. Now, finally, I have a couple more websites that I want to talk about that just uh, creative exercises for photographers. The first one is uh, B&H Photo. Uh, they actually have um, some like health guides and things on their websites and articles and videos. And um, a lot of these exercises have been around for years, and many of them I have done myself. Um, now, this first one I've actually done myself, but I did it, um, I did it, I think, slightly different. Um, but anyway, it doesn't matter. The first uh, exercise one, it's called Two Dozen, they called it here. It says, to pick a location, you're going to stand in one spot. You can't move. And you're going to make 24 unique photographs while standing in the same place. You cannot move your feet. And uh, the idea of this is it's try to get you to open up your eyes to really see what's before you. It's all too often... We as photographers will often see a compelling scene. We walk up, take one picture, and then we move on. And we're letting a lot of pictures be lost because we're just uh, in too much of a hurry, usually. Or we're just not allowing our, our um, creative mind to be released on the scene. So stand in one spot and you are going to make... Uh, in this case, 24 unique photographs. I think when I did it, I think the exercise was 12 unique photographs. doesn't matter. Just, you know, make 24 unique photographs standing in one spot. Um, now you could, important thing I should note, you could get lower. You could stand straight up. You could get down all the way down on your knees. Uh, put your camera right on the ground if you have to, as long as you're not moving from that spot. Uh, exercise two, 10 of one. Take 10 unique and or abstract images of one small object. This is particularly helpful if you're into macro photography. And it will help you see light sometimes too and see different things. Um, just grab a small object, something that might even be mundane. It doesn't have to be a super compelling, uh, interesting, you know, insect, unique insect from Madagascar or anything like that. It could be, in this case, you could see, those of you watching the video, it's a water bottle. So pick something. 
and you're going to take a uh, 10 unique or, or abstract images of that one object. Now here you can move around. You could move that object around. You don't have to leave the object in one spot. You could put it on the windowsill, then you could take it down, you could put it on the coffee table, you could take it outside, you could take it near a waterfall or something, you know, whatever. You're going to do 10 unique images, but that image must contain that object. Uh, exercise four is four corners. You're going to take this object now. The same, it's kind of the same idea in a way. You're taking a subject, but this could be maybe a person, and you're going to place it uh, where it exists. So wherever this object is, it's going to stay where it is. But you're going to put it in different frame parts of the frame. Uh, so in the four corners, basically of the frame. Maybe try a two in the rule of thirds, or try to use leave it. You know, again, you can't move the object. Object has to stay where it is. You're going to um, maybe utilize a leading line leading to it, something like that. So uh, that's a good exercise. It helps you uh, think more through the shot instead of just standing there taking one shot and moving on. Um, exercise for artificial restrictions. I've done probably all of these uh, at one time or another. And this is actually a lot of fun. So you go out and you're just going to take one prime lens. Usually a lot of people take their nifty 50. So they're taking their 50 millimeter lens and you have to just go out and take pictures all day with that one lens, or maybe all week. Some people might do it longer, just that one lens. It helps you um, really move, and it helps you, uh, you know, see the scene and see how you need to frame it to make it compelling, because you're limited to that one prime lens. You can't zoom in, you can't zoom out. You have to move it around. Uh, one location, just go to one place, uh, one, you know, pick one building in your city and shoot that building in and out, or pick one waterfall that's near you, something like that. And you're just going to take images of that one thing. Uh, black and white only, I've done this actually more than once. Um, usually with your camera, most cameras I know of, you could set it so that the preview on the back, even though if you're shooting digital, and even if you're shooting raw, the preview on the back is going to show you a black and white image. And you go out and you just imagine the world in black and white. You see the world in black and white and go out and take as many images as you can in black and white. Um, go out 4 to 5 p.m. only. Um, that's kind of an odd time. Uh, usually, um, when I've heard about this type of exercise, it was to go out in um, the golden hour only. So find what the golden hour is. It's usually like a half hour before sunset, a half hour after sunset. That's the golden hour or a half hour before sunrise and a half hour after sunrise. That's the golden hour. So you're going to pick the golden hour and go out and just shoot during the golden hour. A manual mode only just really helps you learn your camera. And that's part of the reason why uh, with 500px, when you're looking at the images on that site, I want your camera by you and I want you to get practice putting those settings that that photographer used for their image to put those settings in your camera so you're getting used to using your your camera. Um, overexpose, underexpose everything. I've never done that one. I'm not really sure the benefit of that, but maybe it'll get you to see uh, when something could be high key or low key. Uh, spot meter only, which I actually only do, uh, but that you're just using spot metering. That's the way I shoot. Everything's spot metered. Um, photograph while setting. Only things above you, only things below you. No people in the frame, no structures in the frame. Fill the frame. Negative space in more than three quarters of the frame. I've actually done that. Um, 
let's see, uh, shoot a roll of film. Um, as some of us actually lived this. We actually shot film, and we were limited to 24 or 36. Actually, some film, for some cameras I used, it only came in 12s, uh, rolls of 12 for medium format. Um, so you're going to go out usually 24, and you, you have 24 shots, and you're going to go out shooting, and you only have 24 shots. Make them count. It really helps you see what you're shooting and not uh, be frivolous to really be diligent about what you're taking your pictures of. Uh, 12 abstracts. Uh, try to like see the world in a different way is what this one helps. So this is especially true if you're doing macro photography, you have a macro lens or an, um, an accessory that you could put on your lens like a, a macro filter to help you shoot macro. And you're going to try to see uh, the world in a very abstract way. And um, again, it helps you see light. It helps you see things that ne aren't necessarily noticeable all the time. A portable subject. Carry a subject with you and put it in the frame no matter where you're shooting. I see this happening a lot. A lot of people are bringing these little, like, uh, I don't know, anime characters or these little, like, uh, Lego-type characters, and they're putting them in scenes. It doesn't have to be that. You could take anything, a little stuffed animal, a little something, and have it in the scene and you're trying to put it uh, in an interesting scene and put it in an interesting location in that scene. Um, an unselfie selfie, you just have to be in every frame. I've actually had my students do this. Um, I've never actually done it uh, because I don't like myself. Uh, I don't like taking pictures of myself. Freudian slip, I guess. Uh, but get yourself in the frame. Um, again, it's not a selfie. It's an idea of how to compose, uh, to put yourself in the frame in a compelling location in that scene. So it uh, adds interest. Uh, exercise nine, mixing bowl. Drop many pieces of scrap paper into a mixing bowl. Each piece should have a single word or phrase. Draw a piece of paper out of that bowl and grab your camera and start shooting. So like, you know, here's some examples. Blue, circle, panning, soft focus. All these are on a single piece of paper. Reflection, shallow depth of field, action, happy, sound. So go out with your camera every day. And every day, grab out one of these papers. And this is today you have to shoot blur. Or today you have to shoot negative space. And it really will help you uh, see things, I think, in a better way. Especially if you're doing the same routine every day. Many of us are doing the same routine. We get up at a certain time, have our coffee, our breakfast. We're out the door, we're on public transit, or we're driving to work. Uh, we go the same route every single day. We're doing the same thing every single day. Well, if hopefully you could take your camera along with you, and you're doing the same route every single day or the same thing every single day but one day you're sh looking for blue and you're shooting things that are blue and next day you're looking for things that are happy you're shooting happy things next thing you're shooting things that show the weather or show things that are shadowy uh, things like that that'll help you see even on your mundane most mundane thing you're doing is like going to work you're seeing different things every day and it helps you see the world better and helps you and really will ultimately help your photography. Exercise 10, change up. Try a different genre of photography. So if you're really doing a lot of studio stuff, go out and do some landscapes. This helps me a lot uh, because a lot of times if I do too much of one thing, I get bored with it. So if I'm doing too many landscapes, then I find I should go in the studio and start doing some portraits or vice versa or start doing macro, something like that. Nine elements of photo, photograph these nine elements of a scene while in one location. So you're going to go to a street corner, a park, other location, and um, take image that shows the light or shows the shadow, line, shape, form, texture. Um, 
do things with focus, tonality. Um, this is a more difficult exercise, I'll tell you right now, but this actually would help you a lot. It helps you with the subtle things in a photograph. Um, steps, go for a walk somewhere you always wanted to photograph. Uh, stop taking the image after a predetermined number of steps. I've done this. Um, go park your car, let's say, or you get off your uh, mass transit, you get off your train or your bus. Um, so you're gonna take, you're gonna go to direction, right? Go to that direction. Every 10 steps, you have to take a picture. It has to be unique. Or go 20 steps. Or go, uh, I've heard this done actually, where you just go somewhere, get out of your car or whatever, and you take 100 steps in a direction. And at that 100th step, you have to stand there and you have to take 12 unique images at that one spot. Now, a lot of times for this type of exercise, you should probably take multiple types of lenses or maybe a, a lens that could do a lot because it would help. Um, it would be more difficult, especially if you just have, let's say, a 50 millimeter lens on your camera. That would be the ultimate challenge. Uh, take 100 steps, stop, and take 12 unique images at that spot with the 50 millimeter lens. Probably pretty difficult. But if you take, let's say, a couple lenses, you take a long zoom, a short zoom, and maybe a macro lens, you could do a lot of unique images from that one spot. Um, exercise 13, two trips. Uh, put your camera somewhere safe. Walk summer without a camera and look for photographs. When you reach your destination, walk back over the same route while still looking for photographs. Finally, with camera in hand, retrace your steps for a third time and capture those photographs. Now, I kind of do this a lot because a lot of times I have to go out without my camera because I don't want to leave it in the car. Like I'm going to the grocery store. I don't want to carry it around the grocery store or something like that. But I'm always looking for pictures. I'm looking for something that looks interesting. And then I'll remember it and I'll come back later with the camera and take that picture. Uh, design your own. Take bits and pieces from what is above and come up with anything you like. And I think that's really true. You know, get an idea. Like I said, you have that steps things, and then you have this nine elements thing. Or maybe you have that um, where you have the scraps of paper in a bowl. You could uh, pull out a paper. It says, uh, you know, uh, negative space. And you have to go somewhere and take 100 steps, and then at that point compose let's say a number of images let's say 12 images that exemplify negative space so you could combine is what that is getting at now finally i'll go to one more website and they have seven skill building exercises for exercise for photographers and some of these are already we already talked about from the other website um this first one i'm not so much i i like it they say to crump crop someone else's photos uh, they say, great photography starts with the eye, not the camera. This means it shouldn't be possible to develop your photographic eye with ever, without ever touching a camera or lens. Um, all you need is a basic photo editing program. All right. Um, learn the fundamental rules of composition. Then it says, go to a free web hosting site like Flickr or 500px and download a whole bunch of images to your computer. Now, I'm not sure when this article is written. But you cannot just download images from 500px. And I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think you could just download them from Flickr either anymore. You used to be able to, but I don't think you can. But any, the point is, get someone else's images and um, crop them uh, to your liking uh, using the compositional rules that you are drawn to. And the idea is that it helps you see a scene better. And I could see the concept here. I'm just not so sure... You should be doing this to other people's images. And definitely, if you do do it, do not ever share them, ever. 
Don't ever even share them and say, this is so-and-so's image that I recropped. Don't do it. All right, this is only for you. And then once you're done, you know, delete them. Don't, don't share them. Definitely don't share them as your own, uh, but obviously. All right, um, this is with one shot uh, subject, shoot 10 photos. We kind of covered that. Um, but you could read what they talk about here on this website. It may help you uh, better understand the exercise. And maybe there's a little uh, caveat to the exercise, which is explained better here that you could relate to. Um, with three objects, shoot 10 photos. A uh, couple things here. This is kind of unique. It's kind of similar to one of the things we already talked about, but with three objects. Um, first of all, there's kind of a photography thing. Uh, even was the compositional thing that even the ancient Greeks kind of realized. Uh, it's the, the um, odd number theory. Uh, the, the odd numbered things are more compelling in an image an odd number of things are more compelling in an image than an even number of things. So if you have one thing in a scene, it's more compelling than two, but three is more compelling than two also. So, you know, so the idea here is you take three things. Also, triangles are very compelling in an image. So three sides, three corners. So you're going to take these three things and you're going to arrange them in a scene in such a way that they're compelling. And you could do triangles, you could do, you know, you know, just the rule of threes, things like that. So rule of odd numbers, basically. And you could read about more about it here. Uh, with one lens, shoot 1,000 photos. And actually this, um, when I was uh, back in the day learning photography, uh, I had a uh, professional who was kind of took me, well, I had two different professionals, but one in particular took me under his wing and he told me to do this. Um, he basically gave me a 35 millimeter lens, I remember. And um, it was a 35 millimeter uh, on a 35 millimeter or on a, um, on a film camera, 35 millimeter film camera. And he told me that um, he wanted me to shoot a thousand photos. And um, he started me off with some film that he gave me. You know, he was really a nice person. And he, um, you know, he wanted me to, he says that's how he learned. So he, you know, shoot a thousand photos. And, you know, and again, you just don't shoot, especially when you're shooting film, because it, it cost a lot of money. You were careful with your shots. And because it costs money to buy the film, it costs money to get it developed. So uh, this is actually a really good exercise in my mind. Uh, Hulu Hoop Photo Walks. I never heard of this one, but this is similar uh, to the stand in one place and take a shot. In this case, uh, you throw a Hulu Hoop up in the air and let it kind of bounce and roll around. And wherever it stops, you have to go and stand in the middle of that Hula Hoop and take a number of images from that spot. Uh, and they're saying like 10, 20, or 50 photos of anything um you know so that's another kind of fun way to mix up that stand in one spot and take a bunch of images exercise that we talked about earlier uh weekly photo challenges this is something i think i want to do um weekly i haven't done but i want to do weekly photo challenges are popular on the internet these days but different photography communities have different names for them photo of the week 52 photos project sunday photo prompt etc the key is to take 52 photos of the over the course of a year. Ideally, you take part in some kind of community version of the challenge because this gives you a chance to see the photos of other participants and a chance for others to critique your work. But if you prefer to stay independent and do a personal challenge instead, that's fine too. Um, I could see advantages to both. Uh, just doing it personally uh, could be very uh, rewarding. Uh, again, if you're doing it in a group though, sometimes it opens your eyes. Uh, so 
let's say you're in a group and you're one of the photo prompts of the week is you have to take uh, pictures of a specific building that is unique to your community. This building's a, is a structurally and architecturally beautiful building. And um, your challenge that week is everyone in the group has to take pictures of this building. You all could go together or you could all go separately. It doesn't matter. But what I'm seeing is, let's say in this case of the building, once you start looking at each other's images, you might see angles and um, focal lengths used in different ways that you might have took the same, stood in the same place and took the same image, but someone else's looks better because they used a different focal length or they went at a different time of day and the light was different or they um, got real down low and shot it, or they were up higher and shot that same angle. Uh, things like that. So I could see where photo challenges are, are something that would really work out, and that's definitely something I'm going to be doing. Um, recreate someone else's photos, and this is uh, something I give my students to do. Um, look at a famous photographer's pictures and um, see if you could recreate them. If you're into portraiture, look at Avedon. Look at some of these great portrait artists and see if you could recreate them. A landscape artist, um, if you're lucky enough to live like near uh, Yosemite or something like that, you can look at Ansel Adams and try to like duplicate what he did or, you know, whatever. Just, you don't have to be near a famous place though. Just look at 500px and, and look at uh, an image you're compelled to that is from someone you never heard of and no one's never heard of, let's say, but they're a great photographer and you see it, that image that you're super, uh, you love, go out and try to recreate it. Now, the idea here is you're not going to get famous off of someone else's hard work. The idea is you're learning. You're learning how they set their camera up. That's why I think 500px helps. You're learning how they set their camera up or where they stood or why they composed the way they did or why the lighting was done in such a way, whatever. And that's the idea. Um, so... Uh, I think all these different exercises will really help you uh, improve your photography and or stay on top of your game. Even if you're an experienced professional or ex advanced amateur and you've been taking images forever and uh, you're really uh, in love with photography, sometimes though, if we don't exercise, we don't uh, keep our competitive edge or we don't stay as good as we could or we lose something or maybe we won't have the growth we want to see. I think these uh, different uh, exercises will definitely help everyone. And, um, you know, give them a try. See, uh, give me some feedback too, stuff you've done that helped you. And um, I'd be interested in hearing it. Maybe I could incorporate it for myself or help uh, my students improve by trying different exercises that have worked for you. Thank you for watching my podcast for the joy of photography. Remember, stop by my website, onlinephotographytraining.com. There you'll find all my latest videos and articles to help you improve your photography. That's it for now. I'll talk to you guys soon.